Welcome into episode seven of the Fourth and Windies podcast with your hosts Mark and Rob. Um, we're recording today for the first time in a little while. Um, a couple of months we've been we've been off air. Um, just um, obviously a bit of downtime, not a lot going on after the draft, etc. So we've had a bit of uh, time away, but we're we're back today with episode seven. How are you feeling, Rob? Looking forward to getting stuck back into this. Yeah, really looking forward to it. It seems like it. This I was saying to you the other day, though, it feels like this off season's gone quite quickly for a change. Mm. Um, I don't know if the, the dynasty league has helped, just kind of um, thrown out some ridiculous trades. But yeah, very happy. <laughs> I think it's about it's about five weeks till we have um, proper football back. The Hall of Fame yeah. games in um, I think just over two, uh, just under two weeks actually. So um, yeah, yeah, only three preseason games this season there, unfortunately. But you know. We do have 17 regular season games, which is um, definitely a good thing from my point of view. But, uh, absolutely, absolutely. Another game, uh, another game for the uh, Jags to lose. 17. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you'll notice the uh, Clemson Lawrence jersey. You know, yeah, seen it. Trust. Seen it. Very nice. As I said, as I said to you just before we came on air, it's um, it's, it's very strange. It's, it's like you've transferred from Florida State to Clemson, and it just doesn't quite <laughs> look right yet. Um, well, I'm sure I'll get used to it. Aren't great at the moment, so we'll uh, <laughs> we'll just have a bit of Clemson. It is made of the Lawrence Etn connection, obviously, but um, yeah. Oh, very good. So, um, as I said, we, we've been off off air for a couple of months um, there and thereabouts. So there's quite been quite a bit of news, obviously, around the NFL that we wanted to just kind of recap on some of those things and um, some of the kind of big stories, really. Have a bit of a chat about those. Then we've got some um, sort of pre-season stories to watch. So actually talking about what's kind of up and coming in pre-season and into the beginning part of the, the season. So we've got some quarterback battles and things like that, people returning from injury that we want to just kind of touch on. And then we're going to do a segment around college players. So for those people who, who don't necessarily watch a lot of college football um, until we get around to the draft, got some some of my um, sort of favourite players that are on my watch list. I'm not necessarily saying they're the best at their positions, but they're some of the ones that I've spotted during like the last um, round of draft um, scouting when I was scouting other players that are on my kind of watch list that I like kind of took a shine to. So whether they whether they end up having good seasons or not, and whether they end up getting drafted highly, we'll have to wait and see. But they're certainly some of my favourite players to watch um, throughout the the scouting that I did last year. So I just wanted to kind of mention mention a few of them, chuck some names out there. Um, and then we're going to have, a, we've got a whinge of the week um, in true fourth and whingy style, and it's Rob up this week. So we'll wait and see what he has to say. So with that, we'll we'll kick off the, the news section. Um, first up, we've got Cam Akers. Yeah, what a shame. Uh, yes. I know it's ruined uh, a certain person's fantasy seasons because he had him in a number of teams. Sorry, Gert. <laughs> Um, yeah, so for people that don't know, um, he sort of emerged as their lead back towards the end of last season. They took him in the second round of the 2020 draft. Um, he led them with 625 rushing yards last season as a rookie. Um, and he's torn his Achilles, so he's going to be out for the season, which is a, a terrible shame for him because yeah. I think he was planning to have a great season, especially in that offence now. They've got Matt Stafford um, and everything else that's there with, you know, Sean McVay's mastery i think I was, I was quite looking forward to watching cam Akers play there um so yeah massive shame for him massive shame for the rams yeah definitely it's, it's a horrible injury as well achilles yeah. isn't it i think sometimes 
sometimes it can take a long, long time to get back. I think it's it's a definite season. I think sometimes though yeah. people can even struggle longer than that. Apparently, it can be horrific. Um, kind of an Achilles. You don't know what you want to break or something like that, don't you? You don't want ligaments and, yeah. and stuff like that, do you? You just uh, not good. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's a bit of a blow for, like you say, for the Rams and certainly for Akers, young, one of the best young backs in the league for sure. Definitely. Um, kind of nailed down that job uh, in his second coming into his second season, um, and yeah, unfortunately for him, something like that happens. I mean, it happens every year. Um, every year you get them in preseason or even before preseason, it, it happens. Yeah. But very sad for him. So the um, Rams' backfield is is a bit of a bit of a mystery really yeah i guess so so they've got daryl henderson who obviously um he spent a lot of time in the backfield last season so malcolm brown who was left and i think he's gone to um, miami i think he went to um so yeah you, you're assuming daryl henderson will step in they also have uh, xavier jones who they took last year in the draft and they have jake funk who they took in the seventh round this year I think there's a couple of others there as well um so for me I d we're sort of talking they're going to trade for somebody they're going to sign a veteran you know who's out there as a free agent they are very much for me well they always seem to be perpetually in win now mode at the moment certainly since sean mcveigh took over they mm -hmm. traded away a lot of draft picks to go and get matt stafford you know less um less need has shown time and time again that he's willing to go out and pay for people and trade picks so i'm fully expecting them to have, at the very least sign a free agent but potentially to go and trade for somebody um yeah. so what, what we could do is if we wanted to um just kind of throw some names out there and um, just have a bit of a chat, quick chat on it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Do you have anybody to start with? What do you think? I'll let you go first, really. <laughs> well, the obvious one for me was Todd Gurley, just for the romanticism of it. He's a free agent. <laughs> I know his knees have gone. I know he was in Atlanta. He wasn't fantastic last season, but he's going to be there. And I'd just quite like to see it from a storyline point of view. I, I don't think he's the best free agent out there. I, th I think for me, it's the one that stands out, I mean, there's one obvious one, but I might let you have that one. Um, but I was thinking maybe Duke Johnson. Um, I think he was very, I always liked him at Cleveland. He was, at, um, he's been at the Texans for a couple of seasons. He's a good receiving back, good change of pace. I think if he's on a decent team and he has a decent play caller, I think they can really get the best out of Duke Johnson. He wouldn't cost them a lot of money. He, you know, he's available at the moment and I think he could definitely step in and do a job for them right away. He'd be, he wouldn't cause you any off-field problems, unlike a certain other person that's out there in the free agent market at the moment. <laughs> so um, I'm going to go, if they're going to go free agent, I think I'd be looking at Duke Johnson. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about Le'Veon Bell there. but I, I mean, was talking about Le'Veon Bell. For me, yeah, Bell, Bell potentially. I mean, he came into Kansas City. Obviously, I wasn't at the time. I, I remember saying that I wasn't a fan of the, of us picking him up. Um, I knew, I know we were a little bit light at running back, but I, I didn't see the need for somebody like him and I was concerned about his kind of affecting the changing rooms. But by all accounts, he was, you know, he was no problem as far as I'm aware anyway. And so maybe maybe he would be a good signing. I think he, that, that to me is more likely given their history of kind of chasing names sometimes. They like to go after the big names. So, and I would certainly say that Le'Veon Bell is a much bigger name than Duke Johnson. So, it wouldn't surprise me at all if if Bell ended up there. I, I don't think there's too much out there, to be honest, no. unless you're going to go and try and trade for somebody. But who's going to let, you know, one of their best running backs go? I, I, I can't really see it, to be honest. Um, Jamal uh, Robinson at the Jags is, is an interesting one, though, because 
obviously last year had an amazing season as, a, as an undrafted free agent, I think. And But then you go ahead and sign and draft Travis Etienne. So what happens to Robinson? Is he, if, if he's sat there feeling like um, he's been hard done to and he's going to end up being the number two back, maybe he put a request in or something like that. I don't know. I mean, it would seem silly from a Jack's point of view to let him go because, you know, you could potentially play both of those players at the same time on the pitch, get Etienne out wide and and, and, and Robinson in the backfield. So it would seem a bit of a silly thing for the Jags to do. But all I was thinking there is if Robinson was a bit disgruntled, maybe he could force something like that. But but for I me, Bell is the obvious choice, I think. I think, yeah, in terms of Robinson, I had him down as a bit of a trade candidate, but I think... Robinson would have to create some problems for us, yeah. and I think the Rams would have to come in, and you know I, I would have to say probably be a second round pick or something, because otherwise I don't think it's worth it. You look at, I don't think as much as we hate it in fantasy circles at the moment, there's not too many teams where there is a clear number one. You look, you know, yeah. quite a lot of them do running backs by committee. You look, certainly you look at uh, the Browns; they've got Nick Chubb and they've got Kareem Hunt, and that that's a great tandem for them, and that's where that's paid dividends. So I would hope that. We would use ETN and Robinson in the same way. Obviously, Robinson's a lot more of a runner. ETN was lining up um, out wide at some of the um, OTAs earlier on, just sort of after the draft. You know, it's a good receiving back, good change of pace. And if we can use them both effectively, it's just going to massively add to our ground game. We've, we would have a decent quarterback. You know, there's some good wide receivers out there. So certainly I wouldn't want to lose him unless yeah. somebody came in and blew us out of the water. Sorry, I said that into a Jack segment then. <laughs> no, I agree. I think I think the most, as I said before, the most likely for me though is Le'Veon Bell. I think if he's a free agent, it's not going to cost him anything. Get him in. He's a proven commodity, especially in the pass game, which I think Stafford's going to be all over that offense this season. I think it's going to be very pass heavy. So, and um, that that to me is where I think they will go. Um, what do you think of Marlon Mack? I, I'm not a big fan, really, to be honest. So. A lot of people seem to love him, but I'm not, I'm not particularly a fan. Maybe it's because I haven't seen a lot. Um, maybe I don't know, but I'm I, I just think he's just an, a name, really, just a body. So he I, had a thousand-yard season a couple of seasons ago before he got injured. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I'd say maybe it's because I've not seen a lot of him, um, but I'm yeah, I'm certainly not like a, a massive Malmac fan at this point. Um, he was just interesting to me with them having Jonathan Taylor and then having um, Naeem Hines there as well. Yeah, they've um, got a few options. Yeah, I think they'd be open to it. It's whether or not they're willing to cough anything up. But other free agents, the only other free agents I had done was, you know, was Devonta Freeman, who showed nothing last season at the Giants, really. Um, it's the, There's not a lot of um, it's fairly slim pickings, really. Yeah, definitely. And I think... Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Freeman, I was never a fan of him coming out. And when he was absolutely taking the league by storm for Atlanta when he first got drafted by them, I remember Sean was a big fan. Yeah, yeah. Time, wasn't he? And, um, you know, he had a couple of un un undoubtedly really, really good seasons. Yeah, and then for me, you saw who he really was. Then he kind of tailed off. And like you say, he's not done anything since he didn't get re signed in, uh, in Atlanta. So, yeah. Um, so the next the next thing we wanted to sticking on the sort of injury from um, Michael Thomas, um, not as much of a blow in the sense that it's um, it's an ankle ligaments, not an Achilles, not something as serious as an Achilles injury, but still, you know, ankle ligaments maybe four or five months potentially something like that um, in terms of a time frame. But 
I'm, you know, is it time to get slightly worried about Michael Thomas, somebody who I've been, I've always been high on since he first came in the season. I love the guy. I think he's, I think he's a brilliant wide receiver. But if you look at the kind of the facts, he's he, he's not the he's not the quickest. He's not the best route runner. You know, he's I don't know that he's brilliant in any one thing. He's just a really, really good, solid wide receiver, and he's benefited from having one of the best quarterbacks in in history throwing to him in his in his career in, in Drew Brees. You take that away, you take Brees away. You, he's had injuries now the last few seasons. Ever since he signed his kind of monster contract, he's not really done a great deal, um, which is often often the case. Um, so yeah, I worry about him a little bit because even when he gets back back on the pitch, he's coming off these injuries and he's going to have potentially Taysom Hill throwing him the ball. I or Jameis. Or Jameis, but if Jameis, Jameis will be throwing it deep downfield and that's not Michael Thomas's game. So I, I, I just don't see a scenario where, where this season is very good for Michael Thomas, to be honest. I, I worry about him. Yeah, so I think at the minute they were talk- the Saints have a bye in week six. They were talking about potentially uh, returning week seven. Um, but who knows what the record will be at that point. The, the only thing I was going to point out is that um, there's very little behind him in terms of on the depth chart. Um, in the past two drafts, the only wide receiver they've taken was Kawan Baker, who they took this year in the seventh. Um, so at the minute, I would say it's, they've got Traquan Smith, who has done a little bit every now and again. You know, wasn't wasn't bad last season. He was uh, had a reasonable performance. They've got Marquez Calloway. Uh, and Deontay Harris, and those three have combined for 127 receptions, 1,532 receiving yards over the past three seasons, and Thomas cleared that on his own in 2019. So it's not a it's not a good situation for them, I don't think. But it could potentially open up more targets for uh, Alvin Kamara. I think Adam Troutman probably is in quite a good position now. The tight end they drafted um, the other year, so you would be in line to see an increased target share. Um, and then for me, it's, you know, do they look to trade? Do they look to sign any free agents? But again, there's, I was going through the free agent wide receivers and it wasn't looking great. It's not, it's not good at this point, is it? My, my view on it, genuinely, is that, because obviously, like you said, they've not, they've not invested a lot of um, draft capital on, on wide receivers recently. My view on that is that Breeze doesn't necessarily need top-tier talent. So they, they didn't necessarily do it when he was there. Now, I think they're in a situation coming into this season that, you know, in the past draft, the most recent one, I think their thought process was, well, we don't even know who our quarterback's going to be. We don't know who's going to win that competition. And if it's Taysom Hill, is there any point in having a stud number one wide receiver with Taysom Hill playing quarterback? I don't think there is because I think it's going to be run heavy. It's going to be um, a lot. It's going to feature a lot of tight ends. Like you say, Troutman probably have a really good year. But this thing of um, Kamara getting more targets, I'm not quite sure about that. Again, if, if Hill if Hill wins the job or if Hill has get plays a, a, a decent part in this offense, if they kind of do almost a 50-50 split where, you know, they give um, Taysom Hill four or five series a game, I think that's going to impact Kamara because, again, the running game will be heavily focused on Taysom Hill. He will be the one taking a lot of those carries. He'll get all the goal line carries do you know what I mean? I I can see a, a I can see Kamara having his worst season yet this year. 
That's my take yeah, wow. on this situation. Don't Possibly. be surprised if you've got Kamara in your starting lineup and he's and he's not particularly productive this year. Well, I have Thomas and Kamara in in our dynasty oh. league. So. <laughs> well, I didn't I do that. Famous. I promise, I didn't realise that. Um, that's genuinely my. I just genuinely my concern. No, no, fair enough. Um, I did yeah. think the the Taysom Hill thing is interesting though because. I don't know if this does almost tip the balance towards him. So if you're just playing Taysom, you can mix things up behind the line of scrimmage. You even get Latavius Murray more involved. You can line Kamara up out wide. You can, I don't know, potentially have him dumping off some shorter passes. Or you start using Taysom Hill more as a tight end. So you've got, you know, James has got Troutman and he's got Taysom Hill as sort of his little security blanket, really. And then he's you just change that offensive. But like you said previously, James isn't going to dink it and dunk it. He's going to want to lob it downfield for 70 yards, isn't he? And just kind no, of... I think if, if Jameis wins that, and, and, and on, just on the flip side, if, if Jameis Winston does win that, or he's the, the quarterback that's playing the majority of snaps, I do expect Traycon Smith to have a decent issue here because, like you say, he's he's the only only one really that's shown much in, the, in that wide receiver mm. room. And I did really like him coming out of college. I think he was a UCF, I think Central Florida, I think. Um, tall kind of um, wide receiver, who you know who can go up and get the ball and, and Jameis is going to lob it downfield. If he yeah. can get downfield, you know, I can see him having a decent year. Yeah, and I mean even, even with that was even with Thomas in the side. I thought Traycon Smith, if Winston won the job, would have a good year because and I and I almost picked him in, in best ball um the other week when we did our best ball draft because of that. I thought he could be a sleeper for having a really good year. I think the only thing that I'd, I'd say against that would be that he's going to attract every team's number one corner now. True. Because there's nobody else to to scare them. So if you you know if you lock him up, he's going to end up lobbing it to Marcus Callaway, Deontay Harris, and Kawan Baker potentially. Do they, do they not have the the, the, the infamous Lil John Humphreys or whatever he's called? What's he called? Oh yeah, Lil um, John Humphrey or something like that. Lil Jordan Humphrey, yeah, that's it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I've done him a disservice there. Listen out for his name. He might end up being the, uh, the sort of a gadget player that they use quite a bit as well, kind of toss sweeps, fly sweeps, jet sweeps, that kind of thing. So Little Jordan Humphrey. Great but, yeah, I, I agree. The free agent wide receivers at this point, you're not talking really much, are you? Danny Amendola, um, Kenny Stills. Alshon Jeffrey's the big name, but again, he's somebody who doesn't, doesn't really stay yeah, yeah. And and, you know, he's not really done much since he had that really good year with the Eagles a few years ago. I know Didi Westbrook's out there just to get another another former Jag in the mix. Um, he, he's nothing special, but in terms of those names, he's, he's probably up there. I mean, Golden Tate, I would say as well, but he's, his career's firmly on the downward trajectory. He didn't really do too much last season at the Giants. No. Um, I, yeah, I wonder if... Who else there is to trade for? Who else might potentially be available? I'm not really sure what the Saints' situation is with... Picks, but they're never usually shy about um, no, they're they, in a bit of a rebuild, then they might just want to leave it. And I, I think they will. I think for me, I think this is a rebuild year. I think they're gonna, they're gonna, I think they're gonna find out which direction this year they're willing to go with the quarterback. I think, I think they're gonna find out whether Taysom Hill is a viable option or not. And if not, they're gonna let Jameis, you know, lug the ball downfield and throw 40 interceptions, and, and we'll see. We'll see where that gets them because at the end of the day, they have almost been in win win now mode for quite a while with with what they've been doing and the, the, the wages that they pay and the, all the rest of it. You know they're right up against the cap as always. 
but they're not, you know, they haven't really been that close, mm. you know, in all this time. And that's having a Hall of Fame quarterback in your team. So you take that away, they're not going to be anywhere near a Super Bowl for me. So for me, it should be rebuild. It should be, yeah, it should be tank and see what you've got. I would play Taysom all year, see what you'd see what happens and, and, and you know, start building up some draft capital. Personally. I think I've seen enough of Taysom Hill to know that he isn't a quarterback. I think he's an excellent player, but every time I've seen him start a game at quarterback, he looks like a running back or a tight end that's starting the game at quarterback. I think he gives you something different. You can pull out a throw, but if you look at it, you know, his, his reading of the game, his skittishness behind the line, his first his first thought is to bail from that pocket and run. It's not yeah. to sort of look, yeah, see if uh, one of his reads is open and to, to get the ball to them, it's to, to bail and to, to use his legs. No, I do agree. And I, I do agree, really. I think, I think certainly for me, he's, he's, not the, he's not the answer. And especially when you think that if teams are going to be able to know that he's the starting quarterback and plan for what he does yeah. well, then all he's going to be left with is the stuff that he doesn't do as well, which will really have him found out. So, Definitely. Um, yeah, so I think, he, again, if you, if you see just Jameis win that job, then maybe they are thinking that he can be a viable option and they're not looking to tank. I think if they're looking to tank, they probably play Taysom all year, don't they? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, so the next one, moving away from sort of injuries, the, the other big um, the other big news sort of over the last couple of months has got to be Julio Jones. I think it was talked about for a little while. He was clearly on the trade block going into the draft even they were talking you know there were rumors that he was going to be traded and where was he going to end up and he's ended up getting traded to to the titans um which which i'm not overly keen on personally as an aj brown fan a massive aj brown fan um because i think it will it will take away some of some of his um targets but then you could say on the flip side of that He's still going to be the number two, AJ Brown. So maybe it is a good thing, um, rather than prior to him signing. You know, Brown would be the number one target and get all the all the attention. So maybe it will be a good thing. Um, you'll certainly get to learn from one of the league's best for a couple of years that, that, that Jones has got left. Um, and I think they needed it. They lost. They lost um, Corey Davis and who was their third wide receiver? I'm sure they lost somebody else. Uh, they lost yeah. a tight end, didn't they? They, they lost a, one of the tight ends, I think, as well. The tight ends. Johnny Smith. Went, Johnny yeah. Smith, that's it. Yeah. So they they, they lost a couple um, of receiving threats. So they definitely needed that. Um, but I don't. I'm, I'm not. If I'm a Titans fan, I'm not a massive. I'm not a massive fan of the trade personally. Um, you know, you've traded for him for a couple of years, essentially. I, I, I don't see the. See, I think they did all right. I, you know, I think the Falcons are after a second. Uh, the Falcons are definitely after a first rounder, and they've got him for. A 2022 second and a 2023 fourth, and they've received obviously Julio Jones and the 2023 sixth. So, mm. you know, you've given it up if you think you're in win now mode. I think you know you've got Tannehill there, you've got Henry there, you've got AJ Brown, like you've mentioned. You won the division last year. If that's what you're doing, I think it's a it's a good move from their point of view to build strength on strength. I think they were the number two ranked highest scoring offense last year, so you're building on that strength. It gives them a different option and. I like it. I think it's aggressive. It's for a year or two, but that's what that's what you know these winning teams do, isn't it? They pay for these short-term rentals, and it's um, well, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, that's essentially what it is, isn't it? It's a short-term rental for some for a team that thinks they can win a Super Bowl now. I, I, I don't buy it, and I'm yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if he got injured in week three and we never saw him again. I have put a, a bullet point on my notes of can he stay healthy? Um, yeah, that's the big I, question for me. It is a yeah. it is a big big risk. 
Um, I think it does make sense from the Falcons' point of view, to be honest. Uh, I know they wanted oh, yeah. first, but they've managed to get some draft capital back. Yeah. I don't think they're going to be amazing this year, but they've got Calvin Ridley. It gives him that, you know, he's now their un undisputed number one receiver. I think he's already a superstar. I think he's a fantastic player. They've got, there's an opportunity there for Russell Gage, who I think has sort of flashed in uh, patches. Obviously, they pick Kyle Pitts up, gives him another dimension there. They've still got Hayden Hurst that they can trot out. Um, and the only sort of concern for me there is that they don't really have a true RB1. They've got Mike Davis, um, who filled in admirably for um, Christian McCaffrey last season at the Panthers, but I'm not sure he's ready to lead a team and put them on his back over the course of a season. Um, but but yeah, I like, I like to from the Titans' point of view. I'm not, I see the Titans, with them being the same division as us, I see them as a bit vanilla, or a bit, I've never really been a massive fan. The uniforms are a bit naff from my point of view. They're just a bit... Yeah, and I think this makes them a bit more exciting. So um, I like it from that point of view. Fair enough. What about uh, in terms of you talk about Falcons and the running back there? I mean, we talked about some free agent running backs earlier and I mentioned Freeman and his success in Atlanta. It wouldn't surprise me if they brought him back at some point just to, to back Mike Davis up and maybe give him a bit of competition because he's quite good in the, re in the receiving game, Freeman. Um, yeah, they, I mean, they've got very little. They've got um, Javian Hawkins, who was a UDFA this season that, that, well, you and I were both going to take in Dynasty. I think I picked him up in the fourth, just as a bit of a flyer. Uh, they've got yeah. Quadre Ollison as well, I think they took um, in the draft last year. Not very highly. Uh, yeah, so they've got some youngsters behind him, but they, if they were going to bring in that competition, I'd have almost thought they would have done that by now. They didn't seem to be really prioritising it, but yeah, potentially bring back Freeman, um, give him a shot. You know, he knows the area and he's, he was, like you say, that, I think his first season didn't really do too much, but his second and his third, he was unstoppable. And yeah, yeah I know Sean had really a well. keeper league and yeah. I don't blame Sean for being a fan of him. I think Sean was spot on because everything you saw for those couple of seasons, he was immense. No, it was. Um, and then maybe pre-season have an impact here because, again, there's going to be more injuries, unfortunately. Yeah. But also some people that they think maybe can can tie them over, maybe will or won't step up, and then you might see some moves um, towards the back end of pre-season anyway. So, yeah, well, we'll and just to seamlessly link to our next topic, I do think the vaccination of status of certain players is going to matter as to whether you keep them on the roster as to whether you sign them off the street. And we, we can move on and talk about that now. Yeah, no, absolutely. COVID restrictions, and um, that's the next thing, thing we're going to touch on. Um, we, we were just catching up prior to kind of recording, and then I mentioned to you that I, I'm, I'm quite surprised at the stance that the NFL has taken. I applaud them for it, but I am surprised that they've been bold enough to say, you know, if you're unvaccinated and you catch COVID, you're going to cause problems. Um, as I said, personally, I think it's the right thing to do. I think it's the right um, way to look at it. But I'm I'm a little bit surprised that they had the balls to to balls to sit there and say that and make that kind of the rules. Um, and I think there's obviously there's people have some concerns about this maybe leading to to um, games being missed, postponed, whatever, um, forfeited even. But I think the fact that we got through all of last year when nobody really had a clue what was going on, I think he's a really good uh, really good omen. And I think you know they. They took it very serious last year and 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 in a lot of ways they they were kind of sort of leading the way in terms of all the vaccinations that's all sorry all the um, tests that they were doing and all the precautions that they were putting in you know they were one of the sports out there that didn't didn't lose any games games to this um 
so I think um, you know they kind of know what they're doing. They've had more time now to kind of prepare and put in other bits and pieces. So I'll be very surprised if if there's a major outbreak or anything like that. I think it's just going to come down, like you said, to these potentially these un, unvaccinated people, um, players who who maybe cause problems, but they'll um, they'll <laughs> they'll soon get told if um, if their team ends up having to forfeit a game. Well, exactly. And for me, it's just the restrictions on the non-vaccinated players throughout the season. So if you're fully vaccinated, there's no daily testing. If you're not, you're tested every day. You've got to wear masks around the facility. You've got to remain physically distant from people. You've, you've got to quarantine after high-risk exposure to people with COVID. If you're uh, fully vaccinated, you don't have to quarantine. You've got no travel restrictions. There's no capacity limits in the weight room. There's no, um, you know, you, you can... Uh, do all your social media you can do your marketing you can use saunas and steam rooms if you're not vaccinated you can't even leave the team hotel on an away trip so you you're just locked up so yeah and then that, that's that's before you sort of bring in all the competitive elements so if you're not vaccinated then and you like you've just alluded to if you if you're a cause of an outbreak and your team has to forfeit that game your team has to cover all of the costs for the other teams for the other players um and then you, you obviously forfeit that game which is the big one so I think we will see teams if they're close to sort of a threshold of 100 percent and there's certainly players that are lower down on the roster i think they'll be getting cut and if you're a free agent that isn't vaccinated i think there's you know you've got like a five-day waiting period before you can come in off the street if you're vaccinated you can be in straight away you can start you can go so as the season progresses and you know if there's somebody sat out there on the street that's vaccinated or somebody that isn't you can set the vaccinated person because they can come in they can compete and they can play for you straight away um, but yeah you're right they have been very strong i think Rightly so. Just sends yeah. a message. Absolutely, it, it certainly does. And and you know, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to it. And um, it's going to be it's going to be hilarious if the last sort of weeks anything to go by with some of the players' takes on it and to watch social media and see people um, put out tweets and take them down five minutes later. Um, looking at you, DeAndre. Mentioning, mentioning no names, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, yeah. So yeah, so it's going to be an interesting one to watch throughout the year, and you know, kind of see what happens there. See, see which see which teams have have got the morons in the squad. And I think the interesting thing for me as well, you've seen this week, there's been quite a few coaches that have left teams, because mm. if you're a coach, you have to be fully vaccinated in order to interact with players. So I think yeah. that, I can't remember his name. There's a guy at the Patriots that's left for this season. There was certainly another couple that I read of, just because literally you are unable to do your job. So yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's in the end of that either. No, no. Interesting, very interesting. Um, and then, um, so the last sort of big thing, big news story, really, for different reasons that, that kind of happened over the last month or so is, is Carl Nassib and his news uh, coming out as the first sort of openly gay NFL football player, which, um, you know, I'm one of, the one of the people that thinks that there's probably been gay NFL players for many, many, many years. Um, but it's one of those scenarios, one of those um, situations where in the past it, just people wouldn't have been well filled, felt welcome and all the rest of it. And I think obviously today in this day and age, it's a different world. And I think it's, it's a really good sign that he's been able, felt comfortable enough to come out and, 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 and tell the world that really all, all, you know, all the power to him for doing that and for being the first person to kind of step up and, and, and do that. And, and for me, what you'll see is is that you'll see many more, as is always the way. You'll, you know, you'll see a, a number of other people. Like um, I think you mentioned um, previous that Michael Sam was the 
other player that that um, did we, we we must not have known about him when he was when he was active in the league then. But he came out in the pre-draft process. Um, so he was right. taken in the seventh round by the Rams in 2014, and it came, he was I think he was at Mizzou. And it came to the pre-draft yeah, process. I remember him being taken. It was quite a big thing at the time. He ne I mean, he never saw the field. I think he was just on practice squads. I think yeah. he might have joined the Cowboys practice squad at one point, but certainly never never on the active roster. But but like you, yeah, it's great. Fantastic. He must feel supported now and, you know, knows that that's not going to have any impact on his playing terms. A reasonably high-profile player. You know, he's not just some bottom-of-the-roster guy. And like, there'll be loads of gay NFL players. And if it leads to more of them coming out and being happy, then... Yep. Yeah, great. Good on it. I saw, I saw a, an interesting, oh, I listened to an interesting podcast the other day where, where this was touched on. And, and there was somebody, I can't remember which podcast it was, but they were interviewing Derek Carr. Because obviously, for those who might not know, um, Carl Nassib now plays for the Raiders. So, um, obviously, a teammate of Eric, Derek Carr's. And Derek Carr is a very religious person. Yeah, and um, on in the interview that I was listening to, they sort of asked him about about Carl Nassib and his news and 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 he and it was very interesting how he how he worded his response he was basically saying something along the lines of um when the news broke I, I wanted to get um Carl's take on it so I kind of spoke to him and once he explained everything to me I'm cool with it and you know he's he's still my brother and blah 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 like this and I it was kind of really interesting wording because for me I'm reading between the lines there thinking he really doesn't approve but he knows he can't say that in this interview for sure. Because um, I think that's probably one of the reasons, not only because it's a macho sport, you know, it's a very, it's a very um, kind of physical game. And there's, you know, it's very much um, a, ma a man's game almost, you know, I hate to have to say that, but it kind of is, that's what it is. And I think, I imagine the locker rooms are very kind of, um, you know, laddish for want of a better word. And, and I think, um, but on top of that, America as a country are a very religious country, and you know that you know that that dressing room will, you know, if they are a certain way with their religion, they won't they won't really like that. So not only if uh, the gay players had that kind of macho element to deal with, but also from a religious point of view. And so I think it's it's really it's really good of him, and, and it's really positive that he's felt able to kind of come out. Um, so yeah, that's a very very good bit of news to to hear, really. Definitely. Um, anything else you kind of want to touch on? Cowboys, Hard Knocks, will you be watching? Yeah, but I always watch Hard Knocks. I always find it fascinating. I think last year's was a bit of a mess with COVID and when they were jumping from the Rams to the Chargers and back again, it I'm not sure it really worked. I think they did a great job in the circumstances. Um, this was good, close to being my whinge of the week that the Cowboys just seem to be on everything. I think this is the third time they've been on Hard Knocks. They've also had a season of All or Nothing, but... Um, yeah, I look forward to it. I think it'd be interesting. I think the thing you do get with the Cowboys is Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones are fairly open. I can't mm. see them sort of say, you know, cutting a load of stuff from the show. You've got, um, we're going to talk about this in a minute as well, but you've got Dak Prescott coming back from injury. You've got, you know, you've got Zeke there. You've got some big players. You've got Mike McCarthy in his second season. Um, you know, there's a lot of storylines. Obviously, very popular as America's team, but um, yeah, we do see a bit of them. Yeah, no, I mean, like I personally, I, I love the show. I think it's a, it's an amazing show for somebody who likes the NFL. If you've never watched it, you really need to give it a serious watch. I think the last couple from memory haven't been the best, um, but just as a show, I think the access that they give you and the way yeah. they film it, and you know, it's an NFL films production, and they're very good at you know um, 
kind of making it feel a bit like a movie almost. And, it, you know, it's a really good watch. Um, and you, you do get to see more of the characters. You know, they're not just these people that you see play yeah. football. You get to see the, the kind of the, you know, the more human side of the game. And then you, you get to the cut weeks, which is always kind of a difficult thing to watch when people are low on the fringes of the squad are kind of losing their jobs and things like that. It's, it really kind of brings home that it's actually a job as well, not just a sport that we all love to watch. So I think it's a really, really good show. That, as I said, if you've not watched it before, you, you need to kind of, you need to make sure you tune in. Um, Cowboys, like you said, America's team, yeah, they'll be interesting in one way or another, but it would be good to see some other teams at some point, wouldn't it? I think yeah. there's some weird, there's some weird qualifying um, criteria for it. Though, I think isn't you there? can't have a first-time head coach. You can't have met the playoffs in the past two years. There's a lot of things. Um, yeah. They're the only way, way you can be compelled to it. But teams are allowed to, um, teams are allowed to automatically volunteer for it uh, if they want to, if they want the exposure. But yeah, there are some odd qualifying criteria for it. Yeah. So, right. So that's kind of the first um, first little segment on some news, um, and then we thought we might um, talk. I suppose it's still kind of news in a way, but more sort of preseason stories to watch. Um, and one one thing that's kind of uh, happens every year: you have quarterback competition. So, who's going to win the quarterback starting um, role for for various teams? And and I think this year that there's there's a number. There's about six or seven um, spots that are clearly up for grabs this year and we were talking pre-recording again that you know at the moment I think it's the strongest from a quarterback the NFL is the strongest it's ever been whilst I've been watching for, for the number of sort of top end quarterbacks who you know in the game and the quarterback position as a whole is you know it's really strong at the moment and, and I think if you've not got one of those really good top end quarterbacks you're always kind of looking and so I think these, you know, it's not surprising necessarily that some of these teams are searching for for the the right quarterback. So you've got the likes of New Orleans, Denver, Green Bay, San Francisco, the Patriots, the Bears, the Texans, with whatever's going on there. Um, you know, there's some really interesting interesting battles going to be had. Um, sort of, um, yeah. And we've touched on briefly, you know, one or two of these. So New Orleans, we've we've touched on already with Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. Um, you've got Denver, the, the Broncos with Drew Locke, who's obviously had the starting position the last couple of years. They they traded for um, Teddy Bridgewater, so so they've got that competition. Um, Green Bay, sorry for any Green Bay fans listening, but it's going to be one hell of a ride for you this year. Um, well, there was rumours earlier on this week that Aaron, um, a lot of the sports books were expecting Rodgers to retire next week. Yeah. So we could be looking at Jordan Love versus Blake Bortles uh, in training camp. Yeah, that's going to be a thrill. Um, I, I, I genuinely feel concerned for Green Bay. You know, they've always been my sort of, or they've been up there as kind of my second team, really, Green Bay. I love the fact that they're, you know, they're in a tiny little um, yeah. sort of town in, 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 in Wisconsin up at the top of America and, um, you know, they've, You've got such history there in in Green Bay from such a small little place. There's something ridiculous, isn't there? Like, isn't there something like a well? What's the waiting list on season tickets at Green Bay? Oh, yeah, it's insane. It's something like a hundred years or something ridiculous. Yeah, it's something like that. It's it's mad. And and I bet something like forty percent of their season ticket holders are dead as well because they love just passed it on them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's it's um. You know, they've always been a team that I I've liked. You know, throughout the years with Favre and stuff as well. You know, he was great to watch. And then Rogers has come in and, 
you know, he's been he's been the quarterback that I've loved to watch the most out of, out of all these through my thing. And then we we go and get Mahomes, and to me, I compared him to Rogers throughout the draft process and stuff. And I, yeah, they've just been a team I've really liked. I feel really sorry for them that they're going to end up potentially this year with no no well not potentially probably almost likely that they're not going to have Aaron Rodgers. And I struggle to feel, to feel too sorry for them. They went from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. So I think they do a little bit of downtime in the quarterback department. I mean, yeah. you know, we've had what Mark Blundell uh, and then um, David Garrard have been probably our two best quarterbacks since 1995. <laughs> so um, I struggle to conjure up too much sympathy. Well, I don't know. Who could you have had the year you took Blake Bottles? It's not all on the, you know. You... I know it isn't at all. But... Self, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Self-scouting. Yeah, something like that. Um, but no, but also not even just the um, the Rogers thing, but Devontae Adams now seemingly isn't happy. And there was something Seemingly. about them posting the same Twitter picture. Yeah, so that was from the last dance. Uh, it was a Scotty Pippen and Michael Jordan, wasn't it? That they both posted the same Instagram story, I think, at the same um, time. So which, read into that what you will. Yeah, read, exactly. Read into that what you will. That to me seems like they're saying that this is their last season together, which would indicate that maybe Rogers will play. And then this will be their last year. Um, and then I sort of I read a whole host of abuse then from Green Bay fans saying, "Well, if that's going to be what you do, then you'd rather you just sling your hook now, kind of thing, and let us get on with it." So they don't mean that. Oh, interesting. Um, so then you've got some more kind of interesting ones really around the likes of San Francisco. So everybody expects, I think, that that Trey Lance is going to win that job over Garoppolo at some point. It's really a case of when will he win that job. Um, obviously, you don't take someone that high in the draft and trade up and give away those picks, etc., to to not start the player. But I think in an ideal situation, the Niners would probably like Garoppolo to start the season to play really well, to maybe give them some trade bait. Yeah, um, that's my view. Whereas if if Garoppolo gets beaten out straight away, then who's going to want? You know the, the trade value is just not there. Whereas if he wins wins the battle, plays really well for a few weeks, and then they can go right. He's playing really well, but Lance has come on, and we want to kind of ship him and get some um, get some draft capital back. It's going to be interesting that one. Garoppolo is going to get injured in week four anyway, so it's all a move. Yeah, it's only a matter of time before he before he breaks a nail or something, isn't it? And um, yeah. you know has to sit out anyway. Then you've got them, some other ones with rookie, some other teams with rookie um, draft picks. So Cam Cam Newton versus Mac Jones of the Patriots, Andy Dalton, the Red Rifle, against uh, Justin Fields in, in in the Bears. It's an interesting one on that one. I think um, the Bears. I think they're playing they're playing the Rams, so they're due to open SoFi Stadium. Uh, I think it's on S uh, Sunday Night Football. If they go up there and they try out Andy Dalton, that's going to be a bit that's, of a dance squib. That's think, what so. they're going to do, apparently. Well, I, I believe so, yeah. But apparently, Andy Dalton is their starting quarterback this year. Well, that's what they treated, isn't it? QB1 and all that. So. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think that'll last for long, to be honest. I imagine that the Bears will start tearing seats up in their stadium if um, if Dalton's still there, sort of weeks. I, mean, before. I actually don't mind Andy Dalton. I think, you know, he's... A, He's had some good seasons. I do think he's become a bit of a punching bag, probably slightly unfairly. But well, you've got somebody as exciting as Justin Fields out there. You you know you want to see him. You want to see him play. So. You do. I feel bad for Dalton, but at the same degree, again, are you going to win a Super Bowl with Andy Dalton? Probably not. Yeah, um, in all likelihood, and therefore, 
you know, yes, you want somebody like Dalton there as your number two. He's a brilliant backup to have. He's a really good um, professional by all accounts. He's somebody who's going to show Justin Fields how to be a professional footballer and do all the right things and all that. You want somebody like that in your quarterback room, but you don't really want him. You want him holding the clipboard. You don't want him, you know, taking snaps. Um, and if I'm a Bears fan, if he's still a starting quarterback in week sort of three, four, five, I'm probably getting a little bit annoyed unless we're winning. Yeah, yeah. You know, if he goes out there and starts winning, um, you know, then then f maybe you get a bit more leeway. But um, and I think from a coaching point of view, I think the Bears, the Bears are in a really interesting place because they're fighting for their jobs, um, the head coach and, and the other the other coaches. And I think they're gonna they're gonna hold Justin Fields as a bit like their trump card here. And I think if it's all good and well, if Dalton wins, I think he'll be fine to stay in. But if Dalton loses. Fields will then have to come in and win because if Fields comes in and doesn't play well and doesn't look good, they're out of a job this year. Simple as that. Um, you know, you can't you can't have taken a quarterback that high in the draft and 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 bust. You know, and having bust. So I think um, the pressure's on Fields to a degree um, from the point of view of keeping the the head coaches in in a job. Um, yeah, and then what do you what do you expect to happen in New England? I think that's a really interesting one for me. It is interesting because I think they really really like Cam Newton. Um, I think he was he was very good for them last season, in, not necessarily in terms of the on field product, but he very quickly became a captain there, and they really liked his work ethic and everything he brought there. So I think they wanted him to succeed. Yeah. Um, I struggle a little bit with Mac Jones uh, just from the kind of player he is and what I've seen of him. I don't really know why I was flying up the, the draft boards that high, but, you know, obviously there's talent there. Um, I think I probably do expect Cam to open the season. I'm expecting Cam to be better. To be, I'm, I've always been a Cam Newton fan, to be honest, but um, he'll have a proper off-season this season, which he didn't have last year. It'll be another season removed from, you know, his injuries and everything. He did obviously he had COVID last season as well, yeah. which, uh, which impacted him. I think he's still a decent player. I, I really love Cam in his prime when the Panthers had that fifteen and one season. I thought he was he was immense. He was incredible when he was MVP. But you know he was running it in from the goal line. He was making some amazing throws. He was just dancing around. Nobody could stop him. Uh, we're not going to see that again. But I, you know I think we can see something better. And I think Cam Newton is he's good enough at this stage to beat out Matt Jones. And I think Bill Belichick's obviously comfortable enough in his role that he will play whoever gives him the best chance of winning. Well, that's the interesting thing because everything I'm hearing um, is that Jones is really impressive, like really impressive. Um, so, so I, I agree with you in, in, a, in a lot of what you've said. Then I think I mean I've never been a massive Cam Newton fan per se. You can't deny that season that he had. He was he was like you said he was immense and nobody could touch him. But he's he's older now. He's had the injuries. He's not the same player. It's as simple as that. And he's not an accurate quarterback. He's got a big arm, but he's not accurate. So in, 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 in terms of the way I think he, he needs to play to win in New England, he's got to be accurate or he's got to offer you something totally different. Now, he used to offer something totally different, but he, he's not necessarily the same guy now. So I think the way the Patriots will want to play, they've brought in the, the tight ends. That they, they've, got a, they've got one of my favourite kind of, um, second tier running backs in Damian is Damian Harris, isn't it? In New England, I think you know old ex LSU product. I think he's 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 a really really good running back that doesn't get a lot of praise. Um, 
I'm a big fan. I'm expecting big things of him this year. It's set up for Cam Newton to have a much better season. However, if they're not winning and he's throwing interceptions, uh, oh, absolutely, it's yeah. not going to be long before Jones gets a crack because, like you no, said, Belichick just won't put up with it. If if he's got another viable option on on the bench, he's he's going to play Jones. And as I said, from all, all the things I'm hearing, is that Jones is playing really well and he's impressing everybody. I just um, don't read too much into off-season practices. I'm sorry, that's another thing that I just no, don't really pay into too much. And yeah, no, and then absolutely, you can't necessarily, you've got to take it with a pinch of salt, but it's certainly better from Jones's point of view than hearing that he's, yeah. you know, that he's having a nightmare and, and all the rest of it. I think I, I'm probably higher on Mac Jones than a lot of people. I think... He, he is, I think what he's getting dinged for is that he doesn't look or feel like any of the most recent quarterbacks that have done really well. He do, he's not necessarily athletic. He's not, you know, got the biggest arm in the world. He's not quick with his own feet, things like that. He, he doesn't fit the mould of a Mahomes or a, a Josh Allen or a Lamar Jackson yeah. or even a Prescott or anything like that. He doesn't look like that. He looks more like a, um, I don't know, in terms of looks, more like a, a Stafford or somebody like that, and and you know they're not they're not as sexy. I get that, but and I get that for Alabama he had all the weapons in the world, and a lot of people will say that's why he played so well that year. But he, he's an accurate he's an accurate quarterback, and he knows what he's doing, and he can play the game, and he he understands the game, and he, and he he's got the savvy, he's got the smarts, and I think that will play. That will go a long way in a Belichick team. I really do. I, I expect him. I think I had him mocked to, to New England quite a bit. I, I'm not surprised that he ended up there. I think he, I think he's going to do well. Maybe not this year, but I think long term, I think that they'll do fine with him. Um, and then yeah, that leaves the Texans and the mess that's going on there. Um, who do you expect to, to win that job? Oh, I mean, I don't, I don't know. They will be winning it, but um, yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I, that holds it. We probably want to. I think in the interest of time and given where we are, we probably want to. We can discuss the Houston Texans next week potentially. But in terms of the quarterback battle, they've got um, Tyrod Taylor there, who um, you know was was at the Chargers last year. Quickly got usurped by Justin Herbert. Seems to happen everywhere he goes. Great player, great guy. Just very unlucky, and he's clearly never going to be a top tier quarterback. But I think he's um, he's perfectly serviceable just to have around the building. Um, they've got Dr Jeff Driscoll is now in the mix there. I, I literally can't think of anything else to say about Jeff Driscoll. And then I, liked, I, liked, I liked him in college. I liked him in his final year in college. Okay. Um, but, but I'm not <laughs> expecting him to win this battle. But then again, like you say, who's going to win it? It's probably well, And then they've got Davis Mills, haven't they? Um, who they took in the third. He was there, you know. So that was their highest pick and they spent it on Davis Mills from Stanford who's had injury issues of his own. I think he's only played 11 games uh, in college. Um, you know, it's a big sort of, I was going to say boom or bust, but probably boom's too high. Maybe just not bust or... <laughs> the average or bust. Yeah, average or bust. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I ultimately don't think it matters because if they're not the worst team this season, then I'd be very, very surprised, which is kind of why I was so shocked that they did take... Mills, to me, you're tanking this season and you're going to be taking a quarterback in the first round next year. Yeah, I know I've said before on this podcast that I'm a big big fan of, you know, keep taking a swing, keep picking somebody, keep picking somebody until you have them. But given the paucity of picks they had this year and the, the needs they had across the board, it, it did seem very, very strange to me. 
Yeah, um, no, I agree. I think I think we both mentioned that on a previous podcast. Yeah. It was a very strange decision to to essentially waste a third round pick for somebody who won't play um, outside of this season, even if he plays this year. I just think it's, it's bizarre. I mean, I fully expect him to start at some point this season because again, Tyrod Taylor will probably get injured. If you're losing and losing and losing, what is the point in just chucking Ty- Tyrod Taylor out there? You may as well put your draft pick in and learn something. And yeah, if he's great, then, you know. Unless, unless they start winning with Tyrod, then yeah, I expect Mills to, to play a chunk of the season. And then what you'll see is that he's probably going to be serviceable, but he's he's not going to win your games on his mm-hmm. own. And therefore, you're back in the quarterback mix in the draft, aren't you? It's very He'll probably win the first game of the season, though, because they're playing the Jags. <laughs> Um, yeah, like you said, we're we're running sort of at fifty odd minutes now, so we'll maybe um, should we do the we'll should we touch on the injuries that we wanted to talk about? I think it's an interesting thing. Quickly, people returning from injuries. Um, you've got the likes of Joe Burrow, Cincinnati quarterback Dak Prescott, obviously the Cowboys quarterback that we touched on, Saquon Barkley, New York Giants running back, and Christian McCaffrey um, as well. I think for me, it's going to be between. Prescott and Burrow because they're quarterbacks for kind of comeback player of the year. Um, don't be surprised if, if either of those two win that, get your money on one of them now. Um, probably would be my my view there. Um, you know, if, if if the Cowboys do well, and I'm expecting them to have a, a really good season personally, I think when he was in at the start of last year for those four or five games, whatever it was before he got that horrendous injury, um, they, they just couldn't stop scoring points. Nobody could stop them. They, they looked amazing. Um, he was on pace about six thousand yards, I think. He was on pace for some. Yeah, yeah. And and I think so. I think he, you know, the, the talent around him there is, is is very good. So I expect him to have a very good season. But similarly, you know, Joe Burrow, he, he wasn't getting that much love last year for what he was doing, in my opinion. I think he, you know, he was coming in as a starting quarterback. Uh, sorry, as a, as a rookie, as a rookie quarterback on a team with essentially a crappy offensive line and getting put under pressure on nearly every snap. And, you know, he was looking really, really good. They've obviously done, done a bit to try and enhance that offensive line. Um, not as much as some people wanted them to do in the draft, but they, you know, they've still, they're still in a stronger position and I expect him to have a very good year um, as well. I'd agree with that, yeah. Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd to throw to. Got Joe Mixon at running back. Um, I think CJ Zoma, even at tight end, might have a bit of a better season. They did... So they had some, um, I think they signed Riley Reef. Um, they've got Jonah Williams back at guard. Um, yeah, they've got a, I think he's in an excellent position to succeed. It'd be really interesting to see what happens. I'm expecting big things from him. I think the AFC North in general could be very interesting. Because uh, yeah. obviously the Browns, the Browns are excellent. You've got the Ravens. Um, Steelers, I think, could do a bit of a dip. So, yeah, I'd be intrigued to see who wins that division. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And just okay. on sake on DMC, they give me. They worry me because uh, Saquon's um, still not back running the ball properly at, at training camp at the minute. McCaffrey's been injured quite a bit over the past couple of seasons, and he's got a very physical style that kind of lends to that. Both, you know, superb players, and you know, both still young, but does give me a bit of pause. Um, their recent injury history, to be honest. Um, yes, I because I, I think they're I, great players and they're great to watch. I've got Saquon as in my dynasty, I think. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, so I, I am a bit nervous about about that. But I think if he gets back and gets fit, he's, he's for me, he's probably arguably okay. the top running back in the league. But um, he needs to stay, obviously, clear of injury, doesn't he? Don't rush him back. That would be my thing. If he's not ready, he's yeah. not ready. Um, yeah. I don't care if he need wins. He, he don't put his kind of career on the line. It's, you know, it's not right. 
He's still um, only 24 as well, isn't he? He's got, yeah, he's still very young, but these injuries for running back, they don't have exactly the, the longest lifespan generally running backs anyway, do they? Unless your name's Frank Gore. So I think, um, you, you know, he's probably only got four or five prime time years left anyway. So he needs yeah. to, he needs Let to try and get, get fit if he can. Yeah. Um, so do you want to move on to the, the college section then? And we'll just kind of finish off with, with a few yeah, I'm, things. I'm sure leave you to this yeah so i was saying to rob before we kind of came on air that, that i've not really done that much um sort of I, I had some wind down time from the nfl so to speak since we last did a podcast and the time that i have spent um around football in the last couple of months has been um watching some college tape and, and stuff like that. that's kind of how i get through the off season really is to, to to do a bit of scouting and and also we obviously have the scouting that we did through leading up to the draft um, and I just wanted to kind of throw a few names out there really of people that I I kind of spotted along the way that I'm not necessarily saying are the top people at their position I'm not sort of saying that this is the best wide receiver in college or this is the best running back I'm saying these are these are people that stood out to me when I watched film that I will, I'm really intrigued to to see more of um, so I'm going to start with a, a tight end um, who plays for Iowa State it goes by the name Charlie Kohler um, he's, he's 6'6", 260, so really good size for a tight end. Um, graded, graded quite well from a PFF point of view last year, 80, 84.9% overall. His receiving grade was a little higher, 88.2. Not, not the best run blocking tight end out there, 59.4 his run blocking grade. Um, but he's, he's certainly stood out to me when I was watching tape as, as he's my number one rated tight end that's in college that I've seen um, at the moment. Apparently, reading reading some other um, kind of experts' thoughts about him, they say he's not necessarily the most athletic, and that will probably ding him quite a bit from an NFL point of view. But certainly in college, he, he looks great. He's got great size, great catch radius. You know, he's dropped only three of 109 catchable balls in his college career. You know, really, really solid receiver, uh, receiving tight end. Um, have you seen anything of him? Yeah, I've seen, I'll be honest. I've seen nothing. I will look him up. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely one to one to watch um, this year. I think at tight end, you know, tight ends like we like we all know is becoming almost kind of a this um, this unicorn in the NFL. If you've got a good tight end, you know, and as I say, he might get dinged a bit for his athleticism, but um, certainly in terms of college, he, he looks fantastic. Um, Wide receiver that I really, really like um, goes by the name Drake London, USC. Yeah, I've seen a bit of him. Have you seen a bit of him? Yeah, six foot five, two ten, so he's got a really good size. He's got all the measurables. Yeah, didn't necessarily grade that well from a PFF point of view last year, but they've still got him ranked as their third um, wide receiver in this next upcoming draft class. So they, they they obviously see something in him there, and you know, I I personally thought he looked really good. Only played six games last year, 502 yards for, for three touchdowns. Um, again, he's another one of these that's got really good catch radius because he's so tall, 6'5". Um, but he's also got like really, really good ball skills. And he's, he's quite um, he's quite sudden in his routes, you know, gets in and out of routes. You see him a bit playing the, in the slot as well. So he looks like a really, really good, um, good, good, good wide receiver prospect. Um, one to look out for, for sure. Um, 
Um, my, my one of my favourite wide receivers. Though. Have you have you seen anything of Traylon Burks? Yeah, I've seen a little bit of Traylon Burks. Yeah. Um, he 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 really is a beast. Um, he um, he gets he's a the, typical wide receiver, I would say. Oh, he, honestly, he looks he looks amazing. I think they. I'm pretty sure in in the draft guide that PFF have just released the preseason draft guide. I'm pretty sure they're comparing to. Um, is it Demarius Thomas, maybe? Well, that's um, not the Broncos wide receiver. Um, yeah, really, really good-looking um, wide receiver out of Arkansas. Um, their fourth, fourth-graded uh, wide receiver at the moment. Played in nine games last year. Only 811 yards, but if you've got... If anybody's watched any Arkansas football in recent years, they're pretty shite. Um, and so to get... Um, 811 yards, seven touchdowns in nine games. He's, he's probably actually quite a, quite an achievement in that offense. Um, you know, it looks like a really, really good good wide receiver prospect. One I'm really looking forward to watching this year. I think that's um, what, I, as a general thing, the wide receiver prospects this year look more like wide receivers. I think what makes me nervous this year is that they're all very slight. They don't weigh that much. I think they, they, you know, you look at um, certainly Jalen Waddle. Absolutely. Well, two to Atwell would be the smallest, but, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ones, I think. Whereas I think this time round, there's a lot more. Like I just said, you prototypical kind of, you know, sort of six, six three, six four, two hundred and twenty pounds sort of thing upwards. And it, it, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because yeah, the, the last couple of years, the, I think people have been really high on the last couple of wide receiver drafts. Yeah. And this year, I don't think the community as a whole is as high on them. But like you say, they look like proper wide receivers. So maybe things will change come come draft time, um, but I think it's another really strong, another really strong year for, for wide receivers. And um, you've got Chris um, Olave at um, Ohio State as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There really is some some you know a number of um, wide receiver prospects this year. Some that came like Chris Olave that went back. Um, we were expecting him, I think, to come out. Um, you've got Garrett Wilson as well at Ohio State, who looks looks like a real player as well. Um, one of my favourite names um, in, in, in college football this year, Ty Freifogel. Have you heard of him? Nice. No, I will check him out there. He's something. <laughs> one of the best names. I can't remember who he plays for, but um, brilliant name. Um, yeah, so then I wanted to just throw out a quarterback out there. I mean, everyone knows... Um, you know, some of the top quarterbacks that are coming out this year. You probably got the likes of Spencer Rattler for Oklahoma. He's gonna probably put on a show this year and probably win the Heisman. Um and you've got the likes of Sam Howell at North Carolina, who I know you are interested in watching this year. Um, yeah, just from just as we sort of spoke before the pod, just about um how he coats with losing his weapons. So we were very high generally last year on North Carolina. Because they had uh, Javante Williams and they had, also had Michael Carter at running back. He was throwing the ball to um, Diami Brown and to uh, Daz Newsom. Um, so it'd be really interesting to see how he copes without those weapons this year. You know, other people probably step up, but if he does have a good season this season, then um, he'll be flying up draft boards, I think. Absolutely. I think he's currently ranked like the number two quarterback prospect. Um, yeah, there's not a consensus is there i don't think no i think if most people are highest on on rattler i think at oklahoma i'm not i'm still on the fence with him i think he's a bit he's, he, he reminds me too much of manzel at this point i think he's a better player don't get me wrong i think he's a much better player he's a much better thrower of the ball than manzel ever was but just his attitude and um, there's a there's a netflix series i forget the name of it that he was on 
recently. Well, I'll say recently, three years ago when he was in high school and he came across as a real diva. And I think it doesn't necessarily bode well for the next level, but you can't deny his skill. Um, you know, he, he's, he's a very good player. But the, no, the quarterback I wanted to mention um, was the old Miss quarterback. He's called Matt Corral. Six foot one, 205 pounds. So he kind of comes in the mold of a Baker Mayfield. That's kind of what he looks like. And he reminds me quite a bit of Baker Mayfield in that he's a bit of a gunslinger. He likes to chuck it, chuck it around a lot. Um, he's probably not as mobile necessarily as, as Baker, but he's not he's not too dissimilar. Um, overall ranking PFF last year of 90.5, um, 87 passing and 76 rushing. So he's you know he graded really well. Um, played 11 games, threw for just under three and a half thousand yards, 23 touchdowns but 13 picks on the other side of that. And I think that's his issue. And you watch his tape, he's got some of the best highlights that, you, that you'll watch. Um, and I came across him because I did a lot of scouting of um, um, Elijah Moore, the old Miss wide receiver that I took in Dynasty. Um, that I was very high on. And he stood out as the quarterback throwing him the ball. He can throw a deep ball you know, as good as anybody. He just bomb after bomb after bomb right on the money. Um, but he sometimes um, he needs to be more accurate on like sort of the underneath throws and the easier throws and doing the easy things right. Um, but in terms of kind of just watching him, he's just fantastic to watch because he slings it everywhere. Um, a bit like a mini Jameis almost. Um, and um, and the last person I wanted to mention really is is a cornerback. You've probably you've probably heard of this guy. I don't even know how you pronounce his name. Is it Kaya Elam, the, the cornerback at Florida? All oh, right. Okay. No, he he's the one that was that was catching my eye when who was the court cornerback that, that the Jags took last year before this most recent in twenty twenty. Was it CJ Henderson? CJ Henderson. He took. He was Florida, wasn't he? Do you know what, Mark? I, I cannot remember. I think he was. I think he was Florida, and I'm pretty sure that Elam in his freshman year was the corner on the other side, and I was watching all the. Um, the, the CJ Anderson um, Henderson tape and thinking who on earth is that other corner because he looks immense and it's this guy um, so keep an eye yeah, out yeah he was at Florida he was at Florida yeah so he was he was the freshman on the other side to, to Henderson when when he was everybody's kind of top pick and I'm thinking no you want to look at that guy on the other side six foot two just shot at 200 pounds um, you know real strong man coverage physical corner that you that you like people are going to love him for his size uh, he looks a bit of a beast so um yeah look out for that name i think he'll be highly touted come come next year's draft i shall um, keep it out so yeah those were the those were the one the main ones i wanted to throw out there really just some names for people to kind of um keep keep an eye out on and um no doubt I'll kind of have some more man crushes as we go through. And I think it's probably something we want to build into the podcast, maybe maybe each week yeah. covering like a position um, yeah. each week off, throw, throw, um, throw a section in about quarterbacks in college, running backs, etc. as we go through the season. Um, I'll be concentrating on punters. Punters, yeah. And we, we know you like a good punter. <laughs> Don't we all? Um, so... That takes us to the final section, the Winge of the Week, and I'll hand over to you for this. Very, very, very brief Winge of the Week this week. Uh, I was trying to think of one, and I just thought I'd say the one that comes off my head. So we alluded to it earlier. We are talking about the um, COVID vaccination stuff. My Winge of the Week would be stop whinging about it, get vaccinated, it won't be a problem. 
end off <laughs> looking at you, Cole Beasley. Looking at you, DeAndre Hopkins. Get the vaccine. Chill out. Absolutely. Done. Absolutely. And on that note, um, I think we can uh, call it a day. It's been good to good to get back into it, and we're going to think try and try and now kick on into the season. Think, aren't we? And try and um, get one of these out most weeks. Yeah, try and get weekly. Um, yeah. So yeah, be good. Be good to get back into it properly and start seeing some football to comment on as well. That'd be good. Definitely enjoyed it. All right. So on um, with that fourth down conversion that concludes episode seven of the fourth and Wingy's podcast and we will see you next time bye bye, bye.